Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. It is I, your host, Caroline Foran, author of Owning It and the Confidence Kit. This week, my guest is the wonderful Angela Scanlon, TV presenter, broadcast journalist, woman with the most stunning red hair you've ever seen in your life. And she also hosts her own brilliant podcast called Thanks a Million, which is all about thankfulness and gratitude. And she has some really epic guests on there, so 100% recommend it and worth checking out. On this series, though, of course the topic of conversation is Angela's experience of anxiety and I just related to her story so so much the feeling of being at odds between how we present ourselves to the world and how we view ourselves privately is kind of at the root of a lot of what she talks about and it's an incredibly common driver of anxiety I really hope you find this episode as reassuring and familiar as I did as always thank you so much for your support via www.patreon.com forward slash caroline foreign or via the ACAST support feature which is new where you can give me a one-time tip for the series if you think that it's helpful. For now though, let's hear from Angela. Angela Scanlon, thank you so, so much for joining me on Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. Thank you for having me. All the way from London. Now, I have been dying to chat with you for so long because I know from our interactions on social media that anxiety, would would it be fair to say, has definitely been a feature of your life? Yes, I think that would be fair to say. <laughs> Tell me your story to go back to the very beginning then. Well, it's a, it's a funny thing. So I used to have a column for the Irish Independent and I wrote about it. Um, I wrote about it on there and it was one of the kind of few things that I wrote about um, that was very personal because even though, you know, I'm in the public eye, I'm also deeply private. And so mm-hmm. that felt like something that I wasn't really... Um, ready maybe to share so it was a few years ago and I wrote about um yeah about like I was very reluctant to to label it anxiety and to label myself as somebody who had anxiety which is 
100% my own issue, but it was like, uh, it was like um, admitting to some kind of weakness or some kind of chink. This is how I saw it. So if I kind of labeled it, it gave it strength, it gave it legs, it, it made it grow kind of yeah. was, was, I was, I, I guess I was quite afraid of, of what that meant for me maybe. Um, but really when I broke it down, it's very funny because I've been doing kind of a lot of work and a lot of thinking and, you know, my version of myself, you know, in work, um, but also my version of, of myself, like historically has been, I was a very lively kid and I was full of beans and I was kind of very upbeat, very, like a big energy kind of. And so that was always who I thought I was. And then in teenage years, I became kind of the, like my teenage years and my early 20s were a very difficult time for me. But that, that image of myself was always this very sparky, smiley, jester type um, person. But then when I really think about it, like me as a small human, I was deeply, deeply sensitive. And obviously, for whatever reason, you know, it was a, a busy house. I have three sisters. So there was like four of us under six, six and a half. And um for whatever reason, that sensitivity, either there wasn't really space for that sensitivity or mm. I, through whatever experience, deemed it as like not acceptable. And I kind of shut that off. And only in recent years have I kind of really um, connected, I suppose, with that little person who mm. who was very, very sensitive. And that, you know, anxiety, which again, I didn't label it as such, but I remember my parents would would go away, you know, and I mean, it could be go away to the shops or yeah. I, I do remember they went to Lanzarote and their friends and their two kids came in and stayed with us for a week. And this was like four young kids. They probably went for five days and it was, you know, for sanity. In my mind, I remember sitting on the edge of my bed every single day with this little teddy like kind of rocking back and forth really like consumed that they were good they were gone that was if they were dead they had either abandoned or they 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 were dead their their plane had crashed that was it and so that kind of yeah like and then when I started school I remember we did this thing um where we would go into school so not quite junior infants but we'd go into school and kind of just to get used to that the formality of school I suppose so we didn't wear a uniform but we'd hang out in the classroom and again that that situation made me feel wildly anxious and I, w I would go and have to sit beside my sister Okay. who at the time was in you know senior infants mortified and <laughs> um but but again a very very anxious deeply sensitive little kid um so it was kind of always there and I think yeah. I just I just replaced I I just fit I maybe just had ways of of um ignoring it it sounds like your coping mechanism from a very young age even when you didn't understand it was to appear to be you know full of energy and vivacious and strong and that would it sounds to me like that would maybe have set in stone this disconnect between what you put out there to the world and how you view yourself privately 100% and it's and and that is the thing that oddly when I started 
like when work and I became better known, there was a massive conflict that really there was, I couldn't escape it any longer because it was kind of this idea that hang on, the, the version I present to the world versus how I feel at home. And I kind of spoke about, you know, like giving all of my energy to work and coming home and being this shell, you know, yeah. and not really knowing which of those people was the real me or was I a fraud? Was it this, you know, this act that I put onto the world and then I'd come home and slump on the and my family would get the worst of me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I felt really conflicted by by those though the kind of polarity, I suppose, of those two people that yeah. would, that you know. And but actually, I think um, that was exactly what I did. I presented everything's fine. I don't need anything. Jazz hands, game face on. Here we go. I'm here to like lift everybody up, to make people smile, to whatever work and busyness as as a way to escape those kind of difficult feelings of vulnerability and of need and of yeah. all of that kind of stuff and, that and, was obviously um, uncomfortable. How did it manifest for you? Like, did you physically have symptoms? Did you have panic attacks? And at what age were you when you felt like it really was kind of something you couldn't ignore anymore? So, I mean, it, it's, it's not that long ago, if I'm really honest. I think I was so disconnected from myself for so long and um, that it, it the 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 first time, like I remember uneasy kind of uneasy feelings and, and, and worry and tightness in my chest. But I, like I say, I had different ways of busying myself, you know, and I remember thinking like I would sit down, I'd read a book, I'd watch telly, I'd be on the phone, I'd be reading a magazine um, and I'd be painting my toenails at the same time. Like one activity was never enough to kind of, um, to quiet my mind I had to I had to have multiple things at play in order to escape myself almost um, and I think I then I worked at a kind of rate that was in hindsight completely unsustainable and mm. um, it was you know because I was kind of trying to build a career in the UK and in Ireland at the same time one in TV something in fashion I was trying to do writing I was kind of living like three different lives so if I was if I got downtime in one there was enough to be done in the other territory you know and so that that consumed me for a long time and I remember when I got married I I was filming getaways at the time and I literally had taken, we had kind of cancelled all notion of going on the idyllic, you know, honeymoon. And we were like, okay, we're going to steal six days in Morocco. And so we did that, but we then kicked our kind of honeymoon down the the tracks. And a few months later, um, we went to France for 10 days and I had always been like, again, looking forward, looking forward. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. But that holiday is when I'm going to feel right and normal and rested and human. And then I came to the holiday and the, and the anxiety that came out of sitting still and not being busy and not having all of these jobs and not having a to-do list and not having anything to kind of quiet my mind truthfully. Um, or distract me uh it it came crashing down and I remember being in a car and I've written about this so it's like and and it sounds it sounds very dramatic and I had no idea what was happening but I was sitting in the car and um I I felt like the the roof of the car was 
coming down on top of me and the doors were closing in and I couldn't wow. breathe. And I, we, we, Roy stopped at, at a set of traffic lights and I jumped out of the car. And I, and I fled and I remember, and I was hysterical and I was bawling, crying. And I ran, I ran to the, to the water. We were in, I can't remember where in France we were, but I literally had to get out of the car and I, and I ran like it's so dramatic. It's like something from the notebook, but it was, it was this very visceral need that I had to flee. I couldn't, um, I couldn't sit with it. And and I didn't understand it as a panic attack at the time. I actually thought I was losing my mind. Mm. And um, even talking about it, it was so frightening to me, actually, how fragile I felt and how like out of control my mind felt and you know it was this I suppose the the pressure of and uh, you know always looking to the next event and this is what I did consistently this job if I get this job it's out of reach it's unlikely if I get this job then I'll be happy get that job nothing I get married get the like have the beautiful idyllic wedding and then run back to work uh go on your honeymoon that's when it's perfect and then still I was really feeling these things and I think when you when you have everything resting on those things giving you what you need and they don't deliver Mm -hmm. then everything falls apart because you're like hang on like will I ever have I am I broke am I just broke and that like happy thing is just something that's not available to me and it's a big lie and I can slap on my smile for you know, for the world, but actually when I come and I'm, you know, with my now husband who I love and adore and I'm friggin' jumping out the car door, you know, it was like, it was a really, really frightening place to be and having, you know, kind of achieved what I thought was like, you know, relative success, but also stuff that I had kind of never dreamt would be possible to me um, and still felt no sense of satisfaction, of pride, of you know, I just couldn't give myself a break. I couldn't mm. enjoy anything is the truth of it. God, it sounds, it's it's so common though. Like I think it's the same, one of the reasons why I kind of fear Christmas time is because it's when you stop and all those kind of thoughts and that idle thinking can rush in. And when you're so used to being go, 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 you're just, you're pushing it out and out and out. And then of course it's going to hit you. And like what happened to you was a complete fight or flight response triggered by space that was a void there that all those thoughts filled in and then you literally I mean you probably did the best thing you could have done for yourself was to get out of the car and run to the ocean and feel this the water in your feet and let it happen to you but I think it sounds like very similar to me in that the the scariest thing was not your your realization that okay you've been taking too much on or you have go 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 the scariest thing is the realization that you're capable of feeling like you could fall apart Totally. And also, I think, well, I mean, for me, I think the scariest thing was that I had had this list of things that were, if I tick them all off, then I would, I would feel okay. And I was you know, lucky enough and I worked really hard and I was able to actually at like a relatively young age, um, feel like I had ticked a lot of those things and I still felt you know pretty grim actually and and that was the scariest thing that at like whatever 32 I was like it 
is this it? Like, I don't, yeah. I, like, this is not okay. I don't want to feel like this for the rest of my life. And I thought that all of those things would make me feel different. And the realization that in a way, and this is the both, the, it, it, it's the difficult thing to, to accept is that but it's also the gift is the realization that none of that matters yeah and when you really accept that you can go okay like I can do the list and I can do those things and they're all fun but actually the work that I have to do is is like is deeper and it's mm. it's me you know and it's not like fancy faddy things it's not you know I can't pay for somebody else to fix me or to help me, you know, I have yeah. to really like get stuck in. Basically. And did you think, do you think now looking back that you had to reach that point of, I suppose, your version of feeling like you'd come grinding to a halt in order to realize, okay, well, what level of success will ever be enough for me? And, you know, how am I going to derive my sense of satisfaction if it's, if the goalposts are constantly changing, you're, you're kind of, you're never, you're, you're fighting a losing battle. You're never going to get there. Totally. And to be honest, that incident was, it's, thank God I'm touching wood, um, was the only uh, panic attack that I've had. Um, But, and and it wasn't sadly enough to, um, you know, to, to, to properly change my course, but it probably was the start of it. You know, it was, it was after that year that I went into like a really, really, really tricky year personally. Um, just, you know, with my head, I kind Mm -hmm. of, again, had on, on the surface and on the outside, amazing moments in my career. Um, but this pretty, uh, yeah pretty dark time for me I suppose and um yeah sorry I can't even remember what the question was but um it's it's yeah I I, I suppose I realized that I had to that I had to take it in hand and that I had to take responsibility I suppose so I, I suppose it kind it kind of it opened the floodgates for you really and then it's the same as it was for me like I when my anxiety came crashing down on me I thought it like for me it, it very much was linked to well I, I thought it was linked to a change in jobs that didn't suit me and I thought okay well I leave this job now that should be it solved and really the anxiety that it opened up was it that was just the beginning and it was going to be another year of like really thinking how much anxiety had actually had had a hold on me my whole life and this was just a catalyst that brought it about. Um, and you often think if you can tangibly link your anxiety to like, okay, I've got too much on. And if you peel back your, if you peel back the diary, then you should be fine. And then when you're not fine, you're like, holy shit, like, how do I get out of this? Um, and I, and I think actually, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think that was for me, the thing was I'm busy, 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 busy. Yeah. When I'm not busy, I'll feel fine. When I go on holidays, I'll feel fine. Then I went on holidays. I felt worse. And it was like, where is the thing? Where is the place? What is the state that I will feel okay? And it was looking increasingly like there was no place to hide. And, yeah. you know, I, that, that term, wherever, wherever I go, there I am. And there was a sense of that. I kept creating these worlds, which if I could just step into them, I would feel fine. I would feel normal. I would feel relaxed. I would feel like the version of myself that was acceptable. And actually... I would then get there to this idyllic bloody chateau in the middle of France with my brand new husband after having a year filming a TV show, like all of these things that in, in theory were perfect in reality, 
like inside I was I was in trouble you know yeah. so uh, yeah it's um did you have a moment can you remember a moment where I suppose it's something you would have been so unfamiliar to you but you're you're go 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 all the time do you remember having a moment where you had to sit with stillness and actually let yourself feel all of the anxiety and the horrible feelings and not run away from it but actually confront it and I think like that sitting with that is is the hardest thing but the most important thing to get to a point of I guess owning your anxiety and 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 I also don't like putting labels on things because I don't like thinking of myself as, oh, I'm Caroline Ford with anxiety. And I think it's something that comes and goes and we all have a stress response that, um, you know, gets triggered sometimes and some of us feel it more than others. I don't, I never really say, like, I would never say I have a disorder, but that's just me. Um, But I do think in being willing to sit with that horrible feeling is kind of the gateway to getting to know yourself almost. You know, that's what we're, that's what we often try to do is run away from those bad feelings you know we accept the good stuff we hate the bad stuff we feel but what I realized was as for as long as I denied and rejected the bad feelings the negative feelings whether that was need or vulnerability or um sadness or loneliness or longing if I rejected those what I realized was that I was also completely turning the dial down on the good shit like the joy and happiness and satisfaction of pride and excitement and all of those things and I and the realization that I couldn't pick and choose and that if I wanted to feel the very heights of the good stuff then I needed to be able to sustain and feel some of the other stuff Um, and so like and that was kind of I was like okay it's a like that's a rite of passage you know the the kind of good state acceptable state is like it's not I'm sorry I'm so inarticulate but no you're great it's all pouring out of you it's important the kind of idea that like if to be fixed quote unquote fixed would be only to feel the good stuff is such a load of balls that actually to be fixed is to allow yourself to feel all the whole spectrum and to go oh my god I feel so and and it's still really new to me Caroline like it's still really um something that I'm properly learning is to not, and I find, you know, distractions, I'll distract myself with food, I'll distract myself with technology, I'll distract myself with anything. And um, because that's my default, it's what I've done for 20 years or more. It's how your body knows to survive though, it's to crave those distractions. You know, it's, it's your body is trying really hard to keep you safe by like preventing you from falling into that hole of that feeling. Um, can I can I ask you also, like in your line of work, um, and I would, you know, completely relate to working for yourself and chasing these projects and, um, you know, it's not like a full-time job where it's sort of static and, you know, you just go up in pay grade or whatever. It's always on to the next thing, always on to the next thing. But do you, do you find, how do you cope with like social comparison in that, in that industry? Because for me, I, it's a big driver of anxiety. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, the reason that I set up my podcast was was for this very reason. I realized that comparison, listen, we've all done it as humans since the dawn of time. But historically, you'd compare yourself to, you know, Jenny next door and maybe some bird in the village. But actually, yeah. now you can lie in bed before you even get out of bed. You've compared yourself to the most astounding humans in the world. And like whatever you produce on any given day, if you're if you're working from that that place is a disappointment yeah 
And so I think like the, the kind of practice of gratitude for me was a massive thing and a massive focus. And so like the podcast and that enabled me, it, I remember somebody saying, you're the best teacher of the thing you need the most. And so yeah. I would kind of flit from all of these different things and go, do you know what? Gratitude is the one thing that I can return to that actually is like really easy to do and shifts my perspective away from looking around at what I'm lacking, what I haven't done, what that person has done that I should have done why didn't I think of that and actually focusing on what I like have done and what I do have and you know looking around at what I have achieved and sometimes I know Instagram is the devil in many ways and in many people's minds but like I will sometimes if I feel a bit shit scroll through my Instagram feed and go yeah like I know it's a bit of a highlights reel but actually it gives you a kind of picture of these moments that we can very easily forget and these special kind of points in time and whether it's friends or whether it's families or it's a lovely place that you visited Mm -hmm. and it kind of grounds you back in like the good stuff and and stops you from looking around because I do think comparison is such a um it's 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 such a driver of anxiety I mean it really is and like something I've I wrote about uh, in my in my third book which will be out next January is uh, and something that I didn't really want to I didn't really want to it felt kind of uncomfortable to admit it but something that I've struggled with um and it's completely brought about by social media is and and working for yourself in this kind of thing where you're going up for these you know roles or these you know campaigns or whatever that someone else's success will somehow take from yours and I was really interested in that and where that goes back to. And it's really a feeling of a fear of scarcity from when we were, you know, evolving. And it's scarcity. It's that kind of lack mentality. And I do think we're, we're, we're wired for that. And I, and I don't know whether this is a controversial thing to say, but actually a lot of that is inherited. And yeah. our parents, you know, Ireland has for the last you know, like it's money and abundance is quite new to us as a country. Yeah. And so I do think there's a, there's a historical kind of um, inheritance. So like my parents, my, my dad is one of 14. He grew up in, wow. in Mayo. They all had to leave when they were 14, 15 to move to England to earn a living. Um, and, you know, my mom is one of three, but they grew up in Galway and they were, you know, like there was not a lot around and, you know, they will have had stories from their parents where you kind of, you make do with what, with what you can and you're lucky to have what you what you're given and kind of I think it's impossible to escape that without really consciously working and and recognizing that that's there in the back of your head that just because somebody down the road has something doesn't mean you have less there is enough Mm. there's enough to go around and I think you have to work really really hard on um on breaking breaking the that belief really Mm. that that there's there's not enough absolutely has there been anything like any one book or even quote or song or something that anyone has said to you in the last few years that that you've kind of clung on to as a bit of a life raft to help you to remind yourself when you get caught up in the in these feelings that like was there a turning point for you oh was there a turning point for me um 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I mean, I don't think there was any one moment... Um, or even the biggest learning, the kind of eye-opening, okay, this is actually what I need to remember. I think it's the process. And that yeah. sounds really cheesy, but actually it was, it was the realisation that in my mind, I was like powering towards a place where I'd be fixed. And that yeah. actually, that, that's never. And if I got there, it'd be pretty boring and so you know that kind of idea of I don't know it's weird I've I've been hearing a lot of people and things that I've been reading and you know surrender keeps coming up and yes like I have for all my life tried to control you know I'm manifesting things and this is exactly what I want and I'll write the list and I'll do the thing and I'm actually really good at that side of things if you're into that like I I I kind of feel like I know how to do that yeah. when I'm in the zone. But what I realize is that a lot of the time that's, that's control as well. And you're going, this is what I mean, this is what I want, this is what I want. And actually surrendering and, and being open about that and going, you know, I, one of the things that used to make me anxious was, so what's next for you? Yeah. And I would be like, I'm literally just sitting here talking about the only things that I have going. Why ask me what's next? I don't fucking know what's next. And so I I now kind of go, I don't know. And that is so exciting. The idea that like, yeah. you know, life can go anywhere and I'm no longer kind of you know, I like, I love what I do. I love telly. The podcast has been a totally different outlet for me and it feels like a different thing altogether. Um, but I kind of feel like, um, like I don't know. And in a way I, I don't really care. You don't need to know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't need to know. And that actually that feels so, um, it's such a relief. Yeah. Oh, fuck it. We'll see what happens. It's in, not that it's in the lap of the gods and that feels kind of lazy. I feel like I'm, you know, trying to get out of work, but actually this notion that the only way work works is if you're doing it 24 seven and if you're toiling and you're pushing and you're pushing. And actually mm-hmm. I think it's when you sit back and you like relax and you just allow things to come that 
like some unexpected good stuff comes into your life and that you have the space to enjoy it absolutely and you mentioned the word relax there what is your what is your go-to how, how do you really feel like your most relaxed self these days Oh, oh, I love the garden. I'm such a nana these days. Oh, like, first of all, yeah, lucky enough to have a little garden. And I just find myself getting plants all the time. Like the, the rate at which they stay alive is questionable, <laughs> but we're getting there. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just kind of take off my shoes. I'm mean, quite a hippie and I'll take off my shoes, lie in the grass, do a bit of earthing. <laughs> um, and just kind of hang out. Like I, again, put a bit of jazz music on, which is not me. It's some imagined version of a woman who has her life together. And so Lovely. I put jazz music on and like have a drink. Um, and yeah, just kind of hanging out. Like I've start, I've, I say I've started meditating. I've like kind of dabbled with it for years. Actually, I did a, a transcendental meditation course around 10 plus years ago um, when I was in Dublin. Yeah. And I was obviously really aware that things were not quite um, right. Uh, and I remember um, Constance Harris, actually, she's the fashion editor of the Indo. And I was like, oh, I just, you know, I'm not feeling quite right. And she, um, she was like, oh, maybe you should try this. And I was like, what? it was a lot of money for what I had at the time <laughs> and um I went and I did that course and I kind of did it for a while and then I didn't do it and I dipped in and out and I've done retreats since but meditation um in whatever form that is I'm a bit more relaxed about about what shape that takes now I don't think it has to be you sitting on a mat legs no. folded for 40 minutes it can be just like being in the moment like meditating by sitting and playing with my daughter or painting sticks or like you know yeah eating my dinner in a mindful way just not yeah. having my head running away elsewhere um so yeah I, I just try when I can to to kind of practice practice mm, just being in the moment yeah and you know I think this at the time of recording we're very much in the midst of the lockdown and the pandemic has been really shit for I mean most everybody but there, there have been, you know, some benefits as well. Would you say you're, you're maybe somewhat grateful for having, I guess, been given no choice but to slow down a little bit right now? Yeah, and I imagine, like you said, if if you were inclined towards uh, looking around and comparing yourself, suddenly yeah. you're like, it's cool. Everybody's, everybody's, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, nobody's getting anything done. So the pressure's off me. And I mean, that's never supposed. You shouldn't be your your driving force. And my sister, um, she uh, she's studying. She's almost done. She's a psychotherapist, and she's got a magazine called Cracked, and she's amazing. She's very much in this world, and she was talking recently about uh, about race horses, and she's like, "There's a reason race horses wear blinkers," and I was like, "What do you mean?" And she mm. said, "You like don't you you're not supposed to be looking around like everybody." And you know, Oprah talks about running your own race, and that's easier said than done. But actually, the discipline of of looking ahead rather than looking around I think is something that you also um, have to practice but it's, it's certainly taken pressure off people this enforced slowdown but that said I think if you haven't sat with yourself like I'm quite introverted in my own way and I really enjoy my own company mm -hmm. if you're like a full-on extrovert and you're used to occupying every minute of every day with people then this is a really really um 
a stressful time I think and it's a really trying time so yeah I think it's okay to admit that you feel like horrendous sometimes and I kind of oscillate between feeling you know really terrified for family for I'm, I'm obviously away from my family and there's a kind of sense of feeling very separate from not only my family but my country you know yeah, it's quite yeah. dramatic but like I do feel quite um quite separate and then also I feel quite relieved and it's there are days when it feels idyllic that I can you know nip upstairs and my husband is working and he can have some toast and we can have eggs together for lunch and then I can be in the garden and you know there's there's a lot of that the kind of simplicity I am trying to to embrace because you know and hopefully we can retain a little bit of that but um Mm, hopefully and you've been you've been through so much and it you know I think a lot of people who I've had in the podcast are very much you know oh I had this thing years ago and now I'm you know doing really well I think it's really important to like for people to know that we're all a work in progress and that like this has been quite a relatively new thing for you this kind of discovery and, and awareness and you know appreciation and identification of like how anxiety has probably been there kind of un, un, unspoken throughout your life um but what are you you've done a lot of work on yourself and like it's you know it's not easy having a mind and I have the same mind that's always going on to the next thing but what are you most proud but what are you most proud of with yourself not career-wise but like you, you wise oh god um funny sorry the thing that came to mind when you were saying that um is uh and this is not me answering your question it's just a slight tangent Mm -hmm. but I like I remember when I when I wrote that thing about anxiety I was talking about the and I was speaking to actually I was speaking to Marion Keyes about it in one of the podcast episodes and we were talking about oversensitivity or like deep sensitivity and how often in kids that is like uh it's um it's a, it's a weakness. It's something that parents kind of go, oh, Jesus, she's going to school now. We're going to have to knock that out of her. We're going yeah. to have to kind of, she needs to toughen up or he needs to toughen up. And this kind of insistence that like sensitivity is a, uh, is a chink you know it's a it's a it's something that you have to fix or um hide really and actually I think that if we can recognize that sensitivity a in ourselves but also in like little humans and allow them and, and protect that, I suppose, and allow them to think of it as a as a superpower rather than as a weakness. I think it it it's much more um, comforting, I suppose. Yeah. You know, because I think that my sensitivity is what allows me to have empathy with people, to connect with people when I'm interviewing them, which is what I do for a job. And so that thing that I've kind of carried with me as a bloody you know, something I need to squash is actually the thing that's most, um, most authentically me, I suppose. And yeah. so, and it's probably the secret to your success then, I would say. I, yeah, I think so. And I think that it's, it's embracing that sensitivity rather than hoping that you'll grow out of it or hoping that you'll figure out how to deny it or how to kill it kind of, which is what I had hoped for a very long time, you know? Um, yeah. So that's a, a slight aside. And then, but maybe that's like, I'm quite proud of coming to that, you know, conclusion, yeah. but in, in terms of life things, it's my, it's my, um, my daughter really um and 
she's just turned two and I would say that those two years have been you know the the hardest um and the most uh intense in many ways um but like the biggest two years of my life not just because of her and you know because of like all the work that I've had to kind of um all the work that I've had to do but actually how rewarding that has um that has been I guess um and 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 like it'll be amazing for your daughter to for you to have come to these realizations and to embrace your vulnerability and your sensitivity so that she grows up then with an appreciation and like celebrating that almost rather than continuing that trend of you know oh we have to get that beaten out of her totally or we or she has to hide it and I see it you know now when she her little lip goes and and she's so she's really sensitive like and she always has been and um uh, you know now it's so gorgeous because she's now knows kind of what she needs and like obviously she's only two she does it like it's a long old road so yeah. I'm not saying that I have it sorted at all but I feel like you know yesterday she uh, she had like a crazy tantrum and she didn't want to go down to her nap and she wanted to get up and I went in and I gave her a little hug and she's able to go huggle I want to huggle and Aww. she'll come over to you and she a knows that what she wants is like just a little bit of a snug and so instead so Sometimes she would like turn her little lip and kind of almost try to hide that she's crying, which I don't know where that has come from. But then she'll go, I want, I want to huggle. And to be able to, to know that that's mm. all you want and to be able to ask for that and to get it and then like to see it as soon as that need is met, here's a little huggle. It could be like a three second hug or it could be 30 seconds or it could be more. And she knows she, what she wants and what she needs and how to ask for it. And that is amazing. Like, yeah. and I think I'm kind of learning from her because I'm going, you know, the other day I said to my husband, I was like, I need, I want to huggle. And like uh, you know to be able to go actually yeah I just feel a bit shit and I think I just need a bit of a you know a little boost yeah so yeah and like I I do think um motherhood you know is uh like it's quite a trip yeah (laughs) I'm both nervous and excited but mostly terrified (laughs) do you know what I don't know I don't think you need to be terrified because I think you're further down the track than than a lot of people like you know you have a an awareness about yourself and about your anxiety and about what how you manage that that I Mm. I really didn't have and it I kind of it it all came you know it all came crashing down yeah. And so I think, you know, her arrival coincided with my inability to deny that my, yeah. that I was in need, I suppose. I suppose her, her birth was like your rebirth as well. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And also I think, you know, for me, a big part of my um, like discomfort is that is needing, needing, like yeah. needing things, needing people. I am self-sufficient. I will work. I won't, I don't need money off anybody. I don't need, like I'm a self-starter. It's why I work for myself. I don't need a boss to give me, like all of these things that actually I've created this life that is basically built around making sure that I never like need to ask anyone for anything. And it's an incredibly lonely place to end up. And suddenly 
you have a baby and you're absolutely in need. I'm trying to breastfeed and I'm doing a dismal friggin' job of it. And I've got my sister on FaceTime. It's beast from the East. My parents can't come over. My sister's trying to help me breastfeed online. Like I need Roy in the middle of the night to go and get me a smoothie. I need him, you know, like yeah. actively, I need to say, please, can you help me in a way that I've never done before? I am an equal in this relationship. I am, you know, and yeah. suddenly I could not escape the very, um, you know, that, that the vulnerability, yeah. the vulnerability of it was just so, um, overwhelming for yeah. me. And that's kind of what triggered everything. For, for anyone listening who's thinking, oh my God, I'm, I'm so that way inclined, especially with my career where it's, you know, on to the next promotion, on to the next thing, not appreciating it when it happens because you're already 10 steps ahead. What is, is there any nugget of advice you could share to, to help people put that into perspective or to, to take away some of that focus? Well, it's funny because I think if you're that way inclined, you always will be. <laughs> well, yeah, you are, you, ha- you definitely have to train yourself, but I think you just need to tap into what the motivation is. And so, if you're very um, goal oriented and you're ve- like focused on your career, I mean, there's no point in me saying go to an ashram in India and like find yeah. yourself and come <laughs> back and live off the land. But if you can actually properly feel into the things that you're you're doing today so let's say you know um like you got the gig right you got like you were saying earlier on that there are things like whether it's a brand thing or whether it's a, yeah whatever it might be right um what I was constantly doing was I was already in a different place when I was doing the thing like mm-hmm. I I never allowed myself to fully feel into what I was doing yeah. And to really enjoy, um, enjoy the job, enjoy the success, enjoy the like fruitier labor, for want of a better term. And so I think if you're not motivated, if if that's kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever, I'm busy, I've had another thing to do, it's not enough, nothing will ever be enough. If you are motivated in that way, then actually realizing that if you can properly feel in and give yourself time to like luxuriate in today's success, you will just bring more of that quicker. Yeah. Um, uh, so true. In it, it it will it will feel effortless. It will feel easy. And so if that's that's maybe more motivating than trying to tell somebody to you know. Um, like sit and do the hard work and sit in silence and whatever else because I think actually just sitting into it and feeling like thankful and grateful and and looking like looking back a little bit at how far you've come rather than how far you still have got to go I think is really really important. I feel like what I'm taking away from this conversation very much is to to make some room for gratitude to um can continue to allow ourselves to surrender especially right now more than ever and to to really um embrace our vulnerability and like encourage it in, in other people as well so um give space and you don't need yeah. to fix people no. nobody needs to be fixed they just need a huggle exactly and that's actually <laughs> something that drives me mad i feel like whenever you know in, in a friend's whatsapp group if you kind of go in and say oh i'm having a shit time or this thing happened everyone is, is straight on the on the background with a solution or trying to help you solve it and it's like i just want to vent i just want a shoulder or an ear sometimes you don't need everything to be solved you just you just need to share and allow yourself to be, be vulnerable and someone to say yeah that's yeah and to say like that's shit 
And I think sometimes we all have that tendency to kind of go, you, you know, and this is very, again, I feel it's very Irish. Ah, yeah, but there's starving kids in Africa, you know, know. it's kind of whatever you have, you're not that. And it, it totally diminishes your, um, your, uh, right or it feels yeah, like everything you so feel is valid yeah it's valid and you're allowed to feel it and nobody else's pain is more valid because it's bigger or it's harder and exactly. you know it's yeah it's okay to yeah. feel whatever you're feeling Angela thank you so so much for giving me your time today I've I've loved hearing about your story I'm so sorry that you've you've had a, like a hard time but it sounds like you are absolutely like owning it now and um it almost like necessary to have had this happen to you so that you can like regain that feeling of of being yourself and you know what I think that's absolutely true and I remember I went on sorry I know we have to say goodbye but I went on a (laughs) yoga retreat just before I had Ruby and I remember having this kind of like breakdown with all of the um, people in the circle and I was like I just feel like you know when I go home I'm really upset and then I go out and I'm all happy and I don't know which is which and um, this woman said no mud no lotus and she was like basically that deep sensitivity in you is what enables you to do the other stuff really well. And I think I'm only starting to really appreciate that the, you know, the like tough stuff that I've gone through is actually what what allows for right now things to feel a little bit sweeter. So don't be afraid of like the shit storm, even if you're in the middle of it, because you will come out of it and everything will feel, you know, actually as it should be be. you'll be better for it yeah oh thank you so much it just so refreshing a breath of fresh air and to have such an honest conversation and i hopefully our paths will cross in person soon when we're out of this horrible situation and enjoy enjoy the downtime and enjoy the gardening and thank you so much for sharing all your advice thank you so much and best of luck with um with the baba Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.